So I saw someone make the observation that the same people who set the fires at Woodstock 99 are the exact ones who rushed the Capitol on January 6th. And I've never heard anything more accurate in my entire life. Like it's, it's, think about it, it's the same age group. It's the same demographic. It's the same fucking people. These are the same people who, who hate Rage Against the Machine now for being too liberal. They just never understood the message in the first place. They just liked the crunchy metal guitars and the way it made them feel. The same people who loved, like, Tool's music, but never understood a single fucking Tool song in their entire life. They just liked how hard it was. This is Trump's bass. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. All right, well, hello, everybody. It is the final Thursday of August. Another month jumps up and runs off without me. 2022 is the 25th of August to be exact. It's these damn levels. Um, my name is Brian. This is the Stone on Air podcast. Do it every Thursday. Just my commentary on life, the passing parade, and storytelling, and whatever else. We'll get to it next. I have got a really, really crappy couple of days coming up, consuming this entire day of Thursday and um, early tomorrow morning, and I don't know how I'll feel afterwards. It is medically uh, in nature. I will not go any further than that for right now. I might have Storyville with it next week. I don't know because I don't know exactly what to expect, but it is going to absolutely suck so keep me in your thoughts and prayers if you would please facebook keep me in your thoughts and prayers and uh i am being what they used to refer to and i guess many still do very vague booking on you right now but i'll just put it this way think about a procedure that people are suggested to have starting at the age of 45 And I'll leave it at that right now, though I am not 45, I am 42, and that's all. So your mind probably went to where the truth of the matter is, so your imagination might be working. And uh, we'll come back to that at a... At another time. Maybe. Or maybe maybe not. Maybe not at all. Uh, plenty to do today. This is one of those deals where I, you know, last couple of days, when I, when I want to pay attention to what's going on, there's been plenty to talk about and where I wish that I had a, uh, a radio show. I say that all the time, and, and I, I really pretty much mean that every day. I still terribly miss uh, doing live radio. still have some ideas in my head that in the future that might happen again, but for now, it's just this weekly podcast. Thank you for being here. In the second segment of the show, I am going to run through a bunch of local stories uh, that I've just kind of piled up over the last half week or so, involving uh, some buildings being um, sold or bought and sold locally, local rent, Rhonda Thurman's comments, uh, the uh, CPD, Chief Murphy, and some issues there, um, uh, Hamilton County Schools, Bob Corker, uh, the uh, Uber rape. A lot of different things here. I won't get to nearly all of them, but that will be the second segment of the show. And the final segment of the show, I'm going to do what I do occasionally. I'm going to get a little brutal. And this will be religious in nature and also political in nature. So just be ready for that. If you don't want to be involved with that, just know it. It's going to start from the jumping off point was the reason for doing the segment was the amendments on November on the ballot here in Tennessee in the November general election. There's four of them. And they're they're seemingly designed to be uh, to be confusing. 
and then you'll start getting whoever wants to lobby and push the most and, and super PAC spend the money within the state to tell you vote yes on two and no on three and these kind of, and you don't even know what the hell you're doing but when or why you're doing it. But when somebody who you quote unquote trust, which you should trust none of them, but whoever you quote unquote support, and you should support virtually none of them, but whoever you're comfortable with, whatever they say for you to do, you meaning the the us, the generalized us, that's kind of how we do it. Well, the fourth article of the of this of these amendments jumped off the page and it pissed me off. And uh, I turned it into a whole segment and it well, I will turn it into a whole segment and I'm not going to hold back. There will be no punches held back for there. So you've been warned. Uh, three pieces of audio, the perfect thing, the coolest slash worst thing in idea and the realest thing. You want to make America a better place? How about a few real suggestions from somebody who's not from a cult and some kind of uh, whacked out left wing, you know, woke type? This is uh this will get right down to it. So we'll do that here in about uh, eight or nine, ten minutes from right now. So real quick here, a few things to run through before I get to that. I seventy five. I talked about it last week, and I gave you the hack on how to do it at an off peak time, how to get around it quickly, and it really does work. I do it every day now. I drive towards north seventy five north, going to Ottawa from Shallowford Road. And if you get off Bonnie Oaks and then just take that as a way to cheat all the way back over, you'll be the Volkswagen exit in no time. You'll barely stop. It works every time around 11.30 in the morning. Every day when I come home from work and I'm heading back towards East Ridge, so I'm heading back towards the mall, I'm heading back towards uh, 75 South, towards Atlanta and downtown, that, ba- that backup is a nightmare. It goes minimum all the way to Shallowford Road. Usually it goes way past the Hamilton Place sign, almost at, at some of its worst times, all the way to the 153 split. That's like six or seven miles every single day. If you're at Chattanooga and if you're a local person and you're headed north at any time of, of, of high volume, meaning basically seven to nine, well, I guess in the morning, I don't know what it would be like, but in the afternoon anyway. You're a fool. Do never go 75 north. Anywhere between 3.30 and 6.30, Monday through Friday. You know, you've been warned. That's on you if you do that now. Know it. Learn it. (laughs) Pull up the scams. Um, What they're doing is, I pulled it up from TDOT, repairing damaged concrete slabs, uh, perform bridge repairs, and install new pavement markings, whatever that exactly means. It started August 1st on Monday at 9 p.m., and it's from, uh, for one month, it says. And this is TDOT, saying for this is for one month. So we should be done with this by next week. How much you want to bet we're not done next week? Between mile Mars, marker 7, which is Bonnie Oaks, and mile marker 10, which Ottawa exit is number 11. So mile marker 10 is about a mile before you get to Ottawa. Uh, the TennesseeSmartWay.com slash traffic. L- l- know before you go, as they say. It is, it's terrible. I mean, if I had to sit in that nonsense... And there's no way around it. There's no, and then crappy suburbia in Chattanooga and pretty much probably crappy suburbia in all over cities across the country are probably the same way. There's no good way around it. You are just going to sit in it. When there's a mess for me to get downtown for all my years of working down there and spending almost, almost my life down there, there's 15 ways to get to the same spot. And I know 13 of them easily, and I know 10 of the best. There's about two ways to get around it in suburban Chattanooga, and neither of them are good choices. And anybody who has any idea how to do anything is also doing that. So who knows what the surface streets are like. I-75, stay away, but hopefully it'll be done next week. But, of course, none of us believe that. Uh, Riverfront Nights and Nightfall, the final week's coming up. The final Riverfront Nights is this Saturday. Um, Nightfall has one more tomorrow and then uh, one last one a week from tomorrow. And uh, I messed up. I had, P- I, had, I had PTSD, I say jokingly with air quotes, about the weather on Saturday. Shovels and Rope was down there. And boy, did if there's a God, which I don't believe there is, but if there is, he, little uh, uh, spoiler alert to the final segment, uh, he made the window of that show beautifully perfect amongst, ter- I don't want to say torrential rainstorms, but really nasty thunderstorms coming and going and coming and going all day Saturday. 
And a month or so ago, I went down to nightfall looking at the radar and thought, hey, this is going to time out pretty good. I'll be able to get in there, see a little music, and then head on back. I don't remember who it was, and I, I, I don't remember who I was meeting. But I got down there and got just stray a little bit and got hammered by the storm. And it was the worst idea, and I was like, screw this. I had visions of that in my head when I saw these radars, and I thought, there's no way that, the, that this is going to slide in there. And boy, did it. It looked fantastic. Everybody's pictures were awesome. It was a huge crowd. Shovels and Rope is a very, very popular band. Uh, I'm not overly familiar with them, but I'm familiar enough that I know I would have enjoyed myself. Um, final weekend is Eric Gale and Sweet Randy Love and the Love Thing Band. My guess is I won't be there for that. I don't know yet. And Nightfall on Friday is a band. It's it's the band that won the Road to Nightfall. And this is where I know that I've gotten to a point that I really don't know what's going on in younger person uh, culture, local uh, the scene, quote unquote culture. The Road to Nightfall winner is a band called Lilac Line. I have never heard of this band. I really think the Road to Nightfall contest has kind of run its course and probably should be put to bed and not used as a vehicle anymore. That's partially why I don't know what it is. I do think that the popularity of that contest has fallen off. It's run by a good friend of mine, and I don't hope for that, but I think that might be the case. I'll play a song coming back from them in the next segment. Uh, I was just shocked. A band that won this contest to headline Nightfall, I've never even heard of. So that'll be happening uh, tomorrow night. In just a few weeks from now, Pearl Jam, their rescheduled tour from, uh, it was my birthday week, April 2000, bought these tickets. I'm, I'm almost certain it was it was 2019 because they go on sale months and months before for the big tour for their new record at the time. So I've had these tickets since 2019. And I, I get the reminder, hey, you got tickets. And I go to look at them and I pull them up. And this is, it was new then, it's not really new now, but this kind of verified ticket kind of thing. It's very difficult to, to get rid of them. You can't just hand them over to somebody. It's this new scanning technology, whatever. And I look at the tickets and I'm like, 300 section in obstructed view. What the hell kind of drugs was I on at that time? And then I forgot I bought two pairs. I went back and bought a second pair later and I have a good set that I bought uh, early on. So I was able to sell those on uh, through Ticketmaster to let you do it as long as you don't charge more. You can charge the same face value. And because my brother and his, the reasons for doing it two and a half years or two years ago, we don't, you know, we don't even remember who was going to go. So I'm just going to go down to the two tickets and me and my brother going to go to the show. And I put them on uh, Ticketmaster resale at 435 at 447 They were gone at uh, the price I was looking for. So that was a nice... Uh, easy transaction that I was happy to see. And uh, I got several other things to get to here, but I'll just do real quick on the, the student loan thing. This is, it's so silly to watch people argue and commentate and commentary on social media about all the wrong things. This is just a political posture. I, I don't know that that the White House, that the president has the the capability of doing this. It's not going to come into effect until January of 23, if it does, and the, uh, the moratorium on, on paying back loans has been pushed back to the end of the year. So right now, nobody has to deal with student loans and haven't had to for two years now. Push this off into January, past the midterms, and we'll see what happens. Something tells me the courts might have something to do with this. I don't know if this is an executive action that is legal, that is possible. I don't know the right terminology. Little that I see online, not many people are talking about it. It's uh, as far as from that angle, is this even possible? I'm not sure that it is. I think it's a way to you know just buy votes, you know, to just to posture yourself. And I'm not mad mad about that either. That's all these assholes do. It's politically posture. Almost none of it is ever done from any political politician in America to actually help people. It's it's strategically done. But the, the, what drives me the most crazy is, and I've gone on and on over this for years, so I won't spend much time on it right now, is the fact that this system is so fundamentally broke that the government is in the business of insuring these loans to children is insanity. And just saying, hey, $10,000, you don't have to pay back anymore. Oh, great. Thanks. Now what? What does that mean? 
going to have another generation of kids going right back into debt, hoping that maybe that'll work. They'll get something free out of the deal, too, because they're too goddamn stupid to understand what even the hell's going on around here. And in most of these people, and I've seen some of the numbers that how many people are going to be out of debt completely. Um, you know, I don't know if, how true a lot of those numbers are. I didn't look deep enough. But come on, $10,000? The people who have suffocating student loan debts are, are miles away from $10,000. 60 and 70 and 80 and 150 and 200,000 dollar loans that are that are just uh, uh, just devouring people financially. 10,000 dollars? Even if it's just 50,000 dollars. So what? Now it's 40. What have you really done? What has really happened here? I don't want to act like 10,000 dollars isn't a lot of money, but sorry, brah, 10,000 dollars isn't really that much money. So the getting out of the business of funding these things is what we need to be talking about. And the, in the cahoots with the universe, I mean, this, this, this thing is a monster. And going to college is not very necessary in the current day America and the current day world we're living in. And people think that sounds weird, but it's not. We have, uh, I, I, could do, I could do this for another 20 minutes, and I don't feel like it. I don't think this ever even happens. I don't, see this, I don't think it sees the light of day. And if it does, fine. What do I care? Other than if it go, if it hits more for inf- debt and inflation, but I mean, what do I care? Fine, you don't have ten thousand dollars. Big big deal. Hey, I didn't I didn't get uh, mine uh, forgiven, or I paid my. This isn't about you. Shut up. Go away. All right, let's just jump into here. Oh, this is good because I'm running out of time here, so I want to go quick. This is um, I'm calling it the perfect thing. It's somebody who's watching or just talking on TikTok about uh, Breaking Bad and about to watch Better Call Saul. It's very short. Check this out. Breaking Bad is so awesome. I'm about to watch the uh, spinoff of the comic relief character. Love watching that scumbag. He's hilarious. And then here on the screen it says, six seasons later. (laughs) I believe in love. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) He's just bawling and crying. You think you're going to watch this like silly thing six or seven years later? It's just, it it takes all the feels. This is great. I think I've used it before. It might have been on the radio station a couple years ago, so I might not have used it on a podcast. I'm calling it the coolest thing slash the worst idea. Just some spoof on TikTok of uh, craft beer douchebags. Hey, can you grab me a beer? Yeah, for sure. Any preference? Do you have an IPA? Uh... Am I wearing a flannel shirt? Classic. Do you have any black shirt? No, I've never heard of that one. Oh, it's great. It's like 9% alcohol by volume, and you know the way cardboard smells? It tastes like that. Oh, wow, I gotta try that. I actually, uh, I got one I think about like. It's called uh, She's on Top. Oh, I think I've heard of that. Are they local? Yeah, I actually uh, took a tour of the brewery last Arbor Day. Oh, yeah? How was it? Oh, so cool. I mean, on the outside, it just looks like a metal warehouse, but then once you get inside, you see like everything's made out of distressed wood. Nice. Is it good? Oh, yeah. It tastes like the piss from a dehydrated construction worker. Do you have any Dan's girlfriend? No, that sounds familiar, though. Oh, they're great. They taste like you're drinking pine cones mixed with the spare change in your glove compartment. Oh, yeah. I think I had one of those at the uh, Mumford & Sons concert last August. The staff is so cool. I follow them on Instagram. All the guys have long hair and all the girls have short hair. Well, if you like that, you're going to love this one. It's called called Tattoo Sleep. Basically, it tastes like sort of a, a blend of like chewing tobacco, toxic masculinity, and that old baseball bat in your parents' garage. (laughs) I love it. I know I've used that before. That's so uh, perfect. And today's realest thing, you want to make America a quote-unquote better place? Here's a few suggestions. Hey, what's up, America? So you want to make America a better place, huh? Well, here's what you do. First, you repeal the Patriot Act, fucking immediately. Second, you repeal Citizens United. Companies are not people. What the fuck, bro? Third, you do lobby reform. And when I mean lobby reform, I mean fuck lobbyists. That should be not even a thing. What the fuck? Term limits for your politicians. That's right. You can be a senator and a congressman and a president, but not for too long. That's right. I say three terms for Congress, two for Senate, and two for president. Then get the fuck on. And that's at the maximum, bitch. Then guess what, federal government? Here, this one's for you. If it's not in the Constitution, leave the shit up to the states. That's what it says. Abide by your own shit and you'll get a lot further. That's why we hate you. It's not because we don't like America, it's because we hate politicians. Because you're crooked, corrupt, and we know you're trying to fuck us. Yep, couldn't say it much better myself. I guess I forgot how much language is in there. There'll be a little bit more as the show goes along. So let's wrap that up for the first segment. 
and a bunch of different local stories. I'll run through them coming up next. Stone on air. We'll be right back. Oh, darling, what juicy gossip I have for our listeners. Police say a Chattanooga Uber driver was raped and assaulted over the weekend. Police arrested and charged 36-year-old Zachary Johnson and booked him into the Silverdale Detention Center. Saturday night, a woman picked up Zachary Johnson from this Chili's on Gum Barrel Road. When Johnson got in the car, police say he used force to try and take the vehicle from the driver. The driver called her boyfriend, who was in Georgia at the time, and he could hear sounds of his girlfriend being assaulted. The boyfriend called 911. The call was routed to Bradley County before Hamilton County. This prompted a large-scale law enforcement response for a kidnapping in progress. Location data was not exact on the victim, and police had a hard time locating the woman. Hamilton County 911 was able to contact the victim, and they also heard sounds of an active assault, but still could not locate her. The police report went on to say Hamilton County received a rapid SOS call from a female crying over the phone, who was in close proximity to where they believed the victim might be. They pinged her phone and got a location. When officers arrived, they found Johnson on top of the victim, both having some of their clothing off. Police detained Johnson. The report says the victim was violently raped. It accuses the man of striking her in the face, choking her, and forcing his hands down her pants. The alleged assault lasted for an hour and 18 minutes. There's some discrepancies in some of the story that I've heard over the last few weeks or so. Shocking news, right? Local media can't do anything right. Local reporting, all reporting for that matter. This is uh, that band I was talking about. Again, they're called Lilac Line, I think. Nightfall on Friday, the Road to Nightfall winners. We'll listen to it for a second. This is literally the second time I've heard it. I dubbed it in yesterday, and now I'm hearing it for the second time. It's a video they got on YouTube. It's not bad production. It's not great, but it's not bad. Can't say it sounds that great, but it's not that bad either. So on that report there, I believe that's Local 3 uh, saying that the assault took place for an hour and 18 minutes, I think is what they said, which I get. Okay, I guess that's about, yeah, 90 minutes, which is another number I've seen. Um, if you're not familiar, really quick, dude at Chili's on Gumbrell Road, drunk, psychopath, clearly gets an Uber, and uh, that was called on by the the one of the bartenders or servers because he was apparently a regular there, and um, and then they ask you know they walked him out and put him in the car, and then basically immediately after they took off, he starts just grabbing and this this woman. And uh, who's you know it, dr- driving the Uber? Three counts of aggravated rape and two counts of aggravated kidnapping. And at, in some way, they didn't really give the timeline all that much. I couldn't figure out where the car ended up. Well, I found out today through Chattanooga.com that the car ended up about three miles away from the Chili's on Gumbarrel Road. So that means that's somewhere on what like Igu Gap or something, or right around in that area, one of those uh, many side streets, residential areas. And so uh, it took them a long time to figure out where she was. Why? Well, because they didn't know where she was. Somehow she had made a phone call to her boyfriend while the attack had started, which has got to be terrifying from both ends. I can't imagine being anybody involved with this you know, overall, but certainly hearing this on the other side of the phone. And but so he calls 911 and for some reason directs to Bradley County instead of Hamilton, which he still doesn't know where he, she is. And they can't ping her phone just like that. And so there was a lot of criticism and negativity on the social media pages about, you know, terrible law enforcement and terrible work and terrible job. And as much as I'll take a police officer and a police force and a police department and throw them under the bridge and under the bus and talk about how untrustworthy assholes they are, I'll also stop and say, screw you, buddy out there who's screaming on Facebook. You don't know how hard this is. How do you find somebody when you don't know there's no location on her phone? Dude called it in, boyfriend, and he's like, yeah, my girlfriend's getting raped. Okay, where's she at? Eh, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Um, so they talk about this being this 90-minute assault. You know, really ha- terrifying, no doubt. You know, obviously petrified, mortifying, like all the words. But was it really, how much of it was an actual rape 
for how many minutes and how long. And if they're in a cul-de-sac, which is what it was reported, and what would sound like if it's they didn't say you know dead end in a in a uh, in a full you know a, a, a construction zone, they said in a cul-de-sac. Generally speaking, that means that's in a neighborhood residential area. Was was there nobody around that saw a disturbance and saw a commotion with a car parked clearly, surely, probably not properly with lots of activity and I want to guess screen. Very, very strange story to not get really more uh, play-by-play, not that I need every detail, but I had a hard time keeping up with it. And then, dude, just immediately pleads guilty. So clearly this guy's got some... Um, some some serious mental issues. The uh, the the Chili's employees talked about. They quoted here. This is Zach. He's a real good guy. He's a regular here. Quoted from uh, the uh, the assistant district attorney. Um, he's a regular. They you know they clearly trusted him to to not do something like this. So this also completely continues to confirm you can't trust anybody ever period certainly not idiots working at a at a Chili's and why was he served so much at Chili's to get him so intoxicated that he immediately rapes an Uber driver that's another thing I haven't heard talked about at all this dude's 37 years old Zachary Richard Johnson clearly been around um you know drinking and 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 known at least by face in this area just a a, a wild story Sad, terrible story, and it just further also confirms Ubers are awful. I can't stand a damn Uber. I don't like getting somebody else's car. That whole concept of, hey, call me and I'll come pick you up. I'm just some random guy. Don't like that. Even more so, I don't have had very much trouble with the Uber Eats or the DoorDash thing. Hey, I'm going to buy some food, order some food from, you know, just name a place, whether it's nice or not, doesn't really matter. And I'm going to have some effing stranger go pick it up and bring it to me yeah i don't think so no i'm i'm, I'm not i'm not really big on that idea uh, what could possibly go wrong with all these scenarios and i've had a couple of uber rides where i've I, I thought about going back and looking into my uh, my archive to uh to remember what it was because i don't even remember the story it's an uber i took in knoxville and it was crazy it was bizarre and it was like high speed it was a absolute psychopath sociopath acting kind of guy it was wild and um i am not a big fan of that kind of transportation but clearly uh, it is the go-to way to to travel and i still do it i just don't like it uh gig city we continue to be now because now we can beat our chest over 25 gigabit per second broadband that has now hit uh chattanooga if you want it, it's going to only cost you $1,500 a month. If you want it for your business, it's $1,250. Uh, we're to the point now where, especially for just us random people using the internet, these numbers, umpteen billion, uncountable jillion, whatever, I don't know or care. I get that it's going to bring a lot of uh, additional uh, travel, uh, maybe e- e-gaming, conventions, conferences. That's what Coppinger's talking about in the piece from the paper the other day. 302,000 in assistance from the city of Chattanooga and Hamilton County to be able to be uh, to make this happen. The, uh, the, uh, the, the American Recovery Act of 2009 is the reason that EPB gig began to begin with. Everybody's all mad about people getting free stuff unless it means, oh, but I get the fastest internet. I can watch my TV shows quicker. So they're okay. So in that case, socialism, as we, we would be referred to in other instances, is not bad. No, 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 no. As long as you get fast internet, it's okay to be subsidized by counties and cities, right? So, and this is also, mark my words right here, watch your, your EPB bill is going to go up. It's been at $57.99 for internet usage for a long time. Here's your uh, jumping off point. It will definitely be going up sooner rather than later. So I saw this, the the story and the headline don't matter much, but it's, it was the, the reason that I went down this road. Fleetwood Building, I'm vaguely familiar with it. I didn't know it was called a Fleetwood Building. Fleetwood Coffee Company from the 70s. Sells for $15 million, and it's going to be finished off, and, and you're going to continue doing the renovations for, uh, I think mixed use is what they said. I threw half of it away. I only had a little bit here I wanted to look at at the end. And it's going to be living, rentals, that kind of thing. Probably coffee shops in the bottom, that whole you know trendy uh, direction that all these you know cities are, are, are doing. And it just got me thinking, okay, well, there's more high-end um, uh, uh, rentals. 
And it's so I read, skimmed it in. It said uh, the company recently purchased Ridgeside Flats Apartments near Macaulay Avenue in Chattanooga. I wasn't familiar with that either. Chattanooga has seen a recent string of out of town real estate companies invest in housing in the city. Mike Parry from the Times Free Press is where this piece comes from. A Chattanooga investor purchased, excuse me, a California investor purchased a new apartment complex for $6.1 million near Main Street and Central. And a Nashville firm bought the Burnside development on downtown Southside and possibly buy other properties in the area. And I'm thinking, well, okay, yeah, I mean, I know this is happening. But then this one jumps off the page at me. In February, the Passenger Flats apartment complex behind the Chattanooga Choo Choo sold to a real estate partnership formed in Knoxville for $17.2 million. If you're not familiar with the Passenger Flats, all they are are old portions of the Chattanooga Choo Choo Hotel disguised and duped people into thinking these are apartments comes with the pool access they've cleaned it up pretty nicely i've walked around i've seen them um, not inside with my eyes but i've seen the outside with my eyes when i used to spend a lot of time on that property uh, most a large chunk of the choo-choo footprint has been sold off to investors and firms and i went to look up the the floor plans because i was just curious okay somebody paid 17 million dollars for hotel rooms that are disguised as apartments. And the studio apartment, the smallest one clearly, is the Studio Eastern, it's called. It's $1,189 a month. $1,180 a month for the studio. It is a tiny hotel room. Now, yes, you get 24 access, 24-7 access to the uh, to the fitness facilities, and you get the pool, and you get a bike hookup or whatever. I, I mean, there's just not much more than an old 70s hotel can provide that's just been painted and prettier. Uh, amenities are, you know, the, the bike, everything I just basically said. You get Oh, you get a free Play Wash pint membership, and pets are welcome here because the place already sucks to begin with, so who cares if they screw it up. Uh, and you get free Wi-Fi, so there's that. But then on the other list of the apartment amenities as it goes down, so you get things like USB ports, modern cabinets, in-home washer and dryer. That's not for the studio. That's got to be for the two-bedroom. I'm not sure about that. But then it also says microwave. <laughs> wow. What an amenity. Passenger flats. So that sold for $17 million to continue ripping people off. And then it goes up to $1,700 a month. For a one-bedroom, the biggest one-bedroom apartment, $1,700 a month for a basically one additional room hotel room. We are out of control all over this country, but certain here locally when it comes to uh, rental and housing prices all the way around. About two more I'll fit in here, and I'll be about out of time here, uh, I think. Two for sure, one for sure, two hopefully. So Rhonda Thurman... She is the Marge Taylor Green of the uh, school board, Hamilton County School Board. Really would will be much happier place to have her no longer involved with anything in the city and uh, in, in the county anyway. Says, and this is one of those things. I don't know how un, not true it is, but it's just odd that she just she's just got to be her. She could, this, the, the case of never can stop being her. Said that we had eight thousand Hispanic students last school year, and at last count the number was eighty six. Plus this year, they arrive every day at schools like Howard in groups of five or more. That's quote unquote. Continuing teachers tell me they cannot give the attention they deserve to the English speaking students because they have to devote so much time to try to help the Hispanic students catch up. Headline Rhonda Thurman says Hispanic students who speak little or no English are overwhelming county schools. I don't even understand what the point of even of making this a news story is. So we're saying, you know, get out. It took our jobs. Is a South Park thing. Um, I went digging around trying to find people talking about it. Of course, on her social media, it's nothing but uh, rah rah, you know, rabble 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 rousers. And I once again just posted, "Thanks for the update, Karen." And I just did that yesterday. I didn't get really hardly any uh, uh, replies back. I was hoping to get some of her numbnut. Uh, uh, followers and, and clones and mini me's to, to just get mad at me. Maybe they have by now. I haven't looked, but this is a, not a friend, friend of mine, but a share many uh, local contacts with her name's Cassie. It says sharing a County with this lady and folks like her is exhausting. Title three funds, the education of our culturally and linguistically diverse students. She should not pretend otherwise. 
Uh, says Rhonda is the most idiotic and hateful person existing in this county, and that says a lot. Next dude comes in and says, where is she wrong on this? Cassie says, Title III funds the education of these students. She is 100% wrong on students overwhelming schools. This coming from the person who started a sheltered instruction program for linguistically diverse students in Hamilton County. She overwhelms teachers. Not sure what all of that means. Um, and I did start a couple more here from her real quick. Uh, Rhonda is a Hamilton County Schools board member. She spouts of anti-immigrant racism regularly. But this is a non-problem. First, Title III and the Civil Rights Act of 1964 funds the education of linguistically diverse students. Second, our schools are better because of our students. Our students are not a problem. Our students are not overwhelming our community. Our students are what make our school experiences rich. Different experiences in different languages enrich our learning environments. Hamilton County Schools benefits from a diverse student body. So clearly this is somebody who is very against what she had to say. I tried to look up what Title III was. It is basically funding from the state and the federal federal level, maybe in some places, but certainly from the state level, that provides uh, English learning for those who need it for whatever reason, whether it be immigrants or just the poorest of the poor with terrible, uh, you know, bottom of the barrel uh, learning disabilities or learning challenges, as they're they're called now. That's fine if you want to do that, but whatever. So. I guess her point is is that there there is money and there are resources to help to help non or little to to no English speaking students to have that resource and not get in the way of of other students being able to 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 learn. And let's just be honest. Let's just slow down for a second. We're talking about elementary kids here. We're talking about kindergarten, first and second grade. All you're doing really is making sure these kids don't eat the Elmer's glue for crying out loud and color within the goddamn lines. Let's slow down. Oh, I, the development of Johnny in, in, in kindergarten is being thwarted because, uh, you know, uh, uh, Rodriguez in the corner can't speak a perfectly good English. Stop it. Especially when you get to pre-K, that is completely a, a babysitting service. Kindergarten, not much different. First grade, you're still pretty much babysitting. All right? I mean, any of us can teach a tiny-ass little stupid child how to count one-to-one equals two. We can all teach first, second, and third grade. Now, we can't do it with 30 different kids every single semester for our whole lives, but give me a break. It's not like we're sitting here in high school and kids are coming in, you know, oh, ASA and can't speak any English. Stop it. That's not what this is. And it's a a big much ado about nothing that, and I'm just going to say it, I just do think she is a completely, not not full-blown racist, but I mean, she is a race-baiting and just triggered Karen, if there ever was one. Rhonda Thurman, go away now, please. And the final one real quick here for this segment. The Southeast Regional Director of of the Police Union says officers have lost confidence in Chief Murphy. And I'm late to this story. There was 10, upwards of 10, maybe 12, but 10 for sure, uh, local officers that were taken off of duty. And what what are they, how do they word it? They were not fired. They were not, they were not demoted. They were taken out of, how do they word it? Basically non important roles. Sorry, I can't find it real quick. Basically, hey, you're going to go do paperwork instead of patrol. Just in, in, in safe environments where they don't have to be put in any kind of positions that might get them in trouble or might have them have to use um, any kind of, of, of real judgment, right? This is just busy work. And it's because the U.S. Attorney's Office inquired about several officers of the entire department based on some kind of case they were investigating that they needed anybody who names turned over who might have had basically untrustworthy histories. Uh, Celeste Murphy, of course, just our police chief for now, just a few months at this point, I can't remember exactly how long it is, says, quote, it it is unacceptable that a case would be jeopardized due to an integrity issue with an officer who was found to have previously misrepresented the truth or filed a false report. Uh, it's in the 1963 U.S. Supreme Court case Brady versus Maryland. It was established that a prosecutor is required to disclose to the defense if a police officer involved in the case had lied or committed acts that could undermine their credibility during the investigative process of the case or their testimony in court called the Brady letters. And 
I, I, I don't entirely understand all of this, but these 10 officers basically have histories of lying or mistruths or bad judgment or untrustworthiness in their portfolios or in their files. That's what it appears. And there's a lot of hush-hush. Uh, this, this new police chief is not going over all that well. Uh, part of it is because is she's a, a black woman who uh, I'm sure a bunch of the old good old boys who are used to you know big burly white men as their police chiefs probably just are threatened by this kind of scenario. I'm clearly that's some conjecture, but you know some of that is true. But it doesn't is not a great look, and it's it's turning the overall grade of the police chief early on has been a negative for Mayor uh, Tim Kelly. Uh, police chief Murphy says said members of the public and criminal justice system should have full confidence that officers who investigate crimes, apprehend suspects, and testify in court, quote, uphold the highest standards of integrity. Yet you got 10 of them that you don't trust enough to put in front of a grand jury in an investigative case on trial. Something doesn't add up. So I don't know what it is, and honestly, at this point, I don't care all that much, and I just kind of stumbled on it this past week. I think there will be plenty more coming from that corner at some point. If we have any real journalists, media members, and investigative reporters at all in this city, which we really don't. All right. So we got some amendments coming to the Constitution of Tennessee that you can vote on on November 8th. There's four of them to be exact. And one of them in particular, I think, is very important to understand what it is and why Everybody, regardless of your ideological standpoint, your religious beliefs, or anything you think is bad or good in this world, you should vote against it. And I'll stretch out and tell you why and wrap up the show next. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. The Republican Party talks the talk, uh, but Marjorie Green, she walks the walk when it comes to what she really believes now we know that uh, everything we've been talking about, you know, in terms of stripping away like basic civil rights, bodily autonomy rights, and how we're headed towards a theocracy, that's what she agrees as well. She, she just wants the GOP to say it. We are a party of Christian nationalists. Uh, we need to be the party of nationalism. And I'm a Christian and I say it proudly. We should be Christian nationalists. And when Republicans learn to represent most of the people that vote for them, then we will be the party that continues to grow without having to chase down certain identities or chase down uh, you know, certain segments of people. We just need to represent Americans. And most Americans, no matter how they vote, really care about the same things. Some dude named Juan something or other. I forgot to write it down. Just looking for a cover of this song just because I don't really like Joan Osborne's version. But uh, No Marge Taylor Green. I don't think most Americans have the same thought. Whatever she just said in the last line, I don't think that's entirely true. But that's the thing with her. Man and woman, she, forever it used to be uh, political parties used to kind of tap dance around what they were trying to say, and then they would leave it up to interpretation and talking heads, and before there was social media, just a water cooler of, you know, what do you think they meant by this, or where do you think this is headed? Um, they don't really do that anymore, generally speaking, from both extreme sides of the political spectrum. They pretty much just say it out loud now. There is no real guessing anymore. Marge Taylor Green wants Christian nationalism. She just told you that. She wants separation, just like Laura Bimbo Burt, who I'll get to more here in a minute, wants church and state to not be separated to be completely integrated and potentially more heavy-handed from the religious side of uh of of people's thoughts and it's 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 terrifying it's absolutely 100% terrifying and it should be to anybody no matter what you do or don't believe it it really should i i don't think people spend much time giving religious 
conversation and uh, practices and worldviews, really a whole lot of real thought. There's a lot of things in, in, in our culture that are taboo to talk about. From all the way from something simple like we don't talk about what somebody makes, right? That Oh, you don't ask somebody how much money they make. I think that's the stupidest thing ever. But it's true. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about sex. We don't talk about um, the fact that, you know, our phones and our Internet are the most disgusting, uh, porn-filled uh, sexually dysfunctioning channels for children and teenagers and young people and young adults and old people as well. We don't talk about a lot of these things that are really important and really dangerous. Those are just two examples. And another one we don't really talk about much outside of the Candyland, um, you know, made up uh, Sunday morning, Saturday morning cartoon Disneyfication of of religious beliefs and practices. We don't really talk about, like, let's have a, an adult conversation about religion and Jesus Christ and God and world religions and what people actually believe. And the, the true, or at least not, none of it can be proven as, well, lot, most of it can't be proven as true when it comes from the spiritual, spiritual nature. But we don't have adult conversations about it because we don't want to. And I think, and this is completely conjecture made up on my part, that I don't want to say most, but I think a staggering, surprising percentage number would not surprise me at all, but would most people to find out people who truly don't believe in any of this nonsense. At least not from the way that it is, that it is taught to the youth and to young people growing up. And the taboo nature of we just we don't really talk about yet yeah, the, the arcs and the, the 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 forbidden fruit and the snakes walks around on feet and Adam and he, no one believe no one believes any of this stuff nobody who actually has a brain that functions in real world life America truly believes any of those Disneyfication poppycock stories you know that stuff's not true. That doesn't mean God isn't real. It doesn't mean that Jesus Christ maybe was his, his son sent to, to you know, wash us of all our sins. Maybe that's true. I think there's historical truth in the fact that he was, you know, there was a man, Jesus, and he was on the cross. And, all, you know, it's, there are provable stories, I, I'm pretty sure, but a virgin gives birth? I mean... You really believe in this? You really you believe that's true? I mean, you can believe in a higher power and deity. Deity. Anybody can believe in whatever they want, and you can also say that's a stupid fucking story. I don't believe a word of it. So anyway, all that to be said, I think that's partially why it's never discussed because most people don't really believe in it. Um. So I, I have decided through social media, through uh, this podcast, through radio, through water cooler conversations, through parties at the at the, the holidays, at the backyard barbecue, whatever it is, I am done, donezo, as they say. We're talking about ideological, political thoughts, talking po points, policy. I'm done with all that stuff. I am so tired of all of this disastrous mess of these, these these just completely failing political parties and the people who support them so heavily and uh, unabashedly. I'm, I'm, I just can't do it. All of them, all the way around. It's driving me insane. I don't care who the president is. I do not care who the president is or what uh, party they come from. The, the Supreme Court is the most important thing, and it's it's ruined for the rest of my life from my vantage point. So it really, you know, effectively, it doesn't matter. I care about who my congressman is. I somewhat, I mean, I care as much as I can in the state of Tennessee about who my senator is. I sure as hell care about the city council, the county commission, the mayors, all that kind of stuff. I care about that deeply. And I will sit around the water cooler, and I will sit around at the barbecue in the backyard or at the uh, at the uh a wiffle ball game out in Jasper or wherever I am. And I will talk 
local politics because the numb nuts that's breathe fire on social media and think all of a sudden have spent most of their life not even paying attention to any of it now all of a sudden have a strong opinion none of those people even know what the county commission is none of those people even know what the city council does right so that 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 kind of stuff you know that I do enjoy cuz that actually does matter so i am done with that i don't care who i'm not i'll still vote cuz i like to vote i enjoy the process of voting I think it's a wonderful freedom to have, and I will I will most likely usually never not do it. There might be a time where it, I, I, something comes up, but generally speaking, I'm going to vote. But I'm not going to tell you who it was for, or at least you know get, beat a drum about it, right? I'm not I'm not an activist or any of this stuff. But one thing I will fight against, and I will fight, and I will fight, and I will scream, and I will yell it. And I started off subtle. In 2015, I've told this story on different platforms and medias, mediums over the years. I started off quiet. And I started off being just kind of like, eh, if you just read between the lines, you see what I'm saying here, right, guys? And then it just got more and more and more. And where we're at now, I will now say it, and I don't care if I offend people. I hate religion. I don't believe in any of it. And it's not that I don't believe in any of it. I don't care about any of it. I don't care if there's a God. don't care if any of these stories are real. doesn't mean anything to me. Don't care. Don't care. What I do care about is the, what I think, what, what, it's funny how some people who are so Bill of Rights types ignore the first one and then just, you know, jerk off to the second one. Um, a theocracy scares me to death. And so many times over the years, I, I got so wrapped up in star-spangled, awesome America. And I, you know, hear, someday that could happen again here. Someday, you know, history could repeat itself. And I'm like, no, it won't. That's not ever going to happen. Are you kidding me? No way. Um, yes, way. And that's exactly what a theocracy would do. And I will fight and yell and make my thoughts and opinions well-known for... I guess the rest of my life, that that is a dangerous place to be. And it always has been. And somehow because of, I don't know, I don't, I'm going to read a couple things to you here that maybe helps me explain it better through someone else's thoughts from baptistnews.com. But I've now spent 10 minutes here and I want to get, you know, barely 10 more minutes and be done here. These 2022 proposed constitutional amendments, I started looking at them. The first three, not even going to waste your time with them. I barely understand them myself. The fourth one, super simple. There's no long-winded description here. Very simple. Constitutional amendment number four that is going to be on the ballot in November, the general election for the Tennessee State Constitution. This amendment would delete Article uh, 9, Section 1 of the Tennessee Constitution, with, which prohibits ministers of the gospel and priests of any de denomination from holding a seat in either house of the legislator. The question, that was a summary. The question is one sentence. Shall Article 9, Section 1 of the Constitution of Tennessee be amended by deleting this section? So if you vote yes on four, you are voting to delete the, the article of the Constitution that prohibits ministers of the gospel and priest of any denomination from holding a seat in either sides of the house of the legislature. So effectively you're saying this is a law that was put or an amendment that was put in. I read it the other day. I can't remember when it was long time ago that priests and ministers of the gospel cannot hold seats in the Tennessee house. If you vote yes on this, you're saying I want to delete that from the amendment to where gospel, what are they called? Ministers of gospel and priests can now run for Tennessee House and Senate. Vote no against that. You do not want that happening. This is what is happening all across the, 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 the uh, religious evangelical right, Republican primarily, they're just planting these little seeds, and they've been doing it for 50 years, 100 years, however long. Just slip these things in here, and we can slowly, a slow burn. That's what's good. A lot of these, especially these evangelical Republican Christians, you know, so-called Christians, they're, they're good at, at taking the slow burn. A lot of the crazy lefts, they want answers now. They don't have time to wait till next week. They need answers now. 
which you're never going to get answers now. The problem with a theocracy is everyone wants to be Theo. This is from BaptistNews.com. BaptistNews.com. No sooner had the Supreme Court of the United States begun releasing its summer decisions that the word theocracy started trending across social media and readings like Supreme Court accused of theocracy, da 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 And true to form, politicians like Representative Lauren Boebert rose to the task. Speaking at a Cornerstone Christian Center in Bastet, Basalt, Colorado, Boebert declared to congressional applause, quote, the church is supposed to direct the government. The government is not supposed to direct the church. That is as basic and scary a definition of theocracy as one can find. But Boebert didn't start there, adding, quote, I'm tired of all this separation of church and state junk. I've heard this quote before. I wish I had it actually pulled. It was not in the Constitution. It was in a stinking letter, and it means nothing like what they say it does. This is Miss GED, by the way. She got a GED about three months before her primary in 2020. She's a teen mom, high school dropout, and quoted as saying in front of all these, these religious zealots, quote, I am tired of all this separation of church and state junk. Nice wording there, bimbo bird. Uh, apparently preserving the lives of the unborn has little bearing on protecting the lives of the born in a country where the Second Amendment demands absolute judicial sanctity. Just one head, uh, highlight I put there from this one. The final one here says, it's a long thing here. These are all Baptists. Uh, I don't know if they're all preachers, but they're all involved with the Baptist church. Given these and future Supreme Court rulings and reactions from analysts, I'd start with these brief proposals. First, let's not dismiss this expansive theocratic rhetoric of folks like Lauren Boebert too quickly. That agenda has motivated a substantial minority of American Christians to support efforts that got us to this moment. Given their increasing control of the sources of power, their agenda will continue. In an article, it says, the Supreme Court has one agenda, Christian theocracy. Jewish journalist Rafi Schwartz writes, Quote, to the extent that we have a future to speak of, historians in that upcoming area will undoubtedly look back at the past few weeks of Supreme Court rulings and rightfully deem this stretch as the most significant lurch towards overt American theocracy in the modern era. Again, from BaptistNews.com. One more here, and I'll, I'll wrap this up. Uh, same website. This is from another opinion piece from Andrew Daltrey. It says, speaking of a guy who is a, a, a well-known uh, uh, pastor in, in Dallas, delivered a sermon titled, America is a Christian Nation, and about how founding, the, how founding fathers were a majoritarian evangelical religious bloc. The message that America is a Christian nation is flat-out false factually, legally and practically. The consequences of this theocratic message taken to its fullest extent pose grave dangers for religious liberty and justice for all in the land that we love. The pastor's arguments count on widespread public confusion about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Decades-long religious right rhetoric has been so deeply ingrained that many well-intentioned American Christians don't realize that such arguments rely on faulty interpretations that misrepresent history and seek to unwisely and dangerously privilege one religion over all others it is the latest sideshow in the endless culture war built on the fiction that the framers in philadelphia in 1787 intended to constitute a christian nation the thing is if america was founded predominantly to be a christian nation there is no evidence of it in the constitution our founding document never mentions christianity christianity in fact Religion is named only once in Article uh, Article 6, and that was a ban on religious tests for public office. The only other mention of the religion would come with the adoption of the First Amendment's religion clauses, and we all know what the First Amendment is. Final thing here, and I'll start to wrap it up. The Jeffersonian genius and wisdom, Thomas Jefferson, of the American experiment in religious freedom is that we are not a Christian nation or a Jewish nation or a Muslim nation or a nation that is founded on a single religion. Any attempt to claim or create a Christian theocracy is a grave danger to our democracy. For as my religio-political mentor and friend, 
would say in the name of the one I just read to you, would wisely remind us, the trouble with a theocracy is everyone wants to be the Theo. I am staunchly for the basically rewording of, and I don't mean it from a technical standpoint, but freedom of religion? Oh, no, 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 no. Freedom from religion. I have freedom from religion. Do whatever you want that makes you happy. I've, I'm repeating myself now from over the years. Worship the sun, astrology, have whatever gods and idols you want. Keep it the hell out of my governing, please. If you don't, I will be relentlessly harsh, nasty, and awful about it. And if you have it in your life and it makes you feel good, whoever you is, we, them, all of us, beautiful, wonderful. I love that. That is great. But this is not what we're talking about. And this is strategically being done. All politics is all strategic maneuvers. It's not done out of any kind of real care or love or concern about anything. It's about power, money, corruption, and the main thing, power. That's what we crave as Americans in this country, to be powerful. And this would be disastrous. I will fight against it with all the microphones and all the little, tiniest, tiniest amount of influence I could ever have. I don't care who the president is. I don't care who the secretary of state is. I don't care about all this crap I used to care about for so long. I will fight a theocracy until the day I die, and I'm dead serious mean that. Love you. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see how things go into the weekend. Talk to you next week. Love you. Mean it. Bye.